Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Farber, and I'm Hazel Burton. Welcome to the episode. Um, got a really fun one for you today. We're going to bring Nerdcore back. Yay. yay! You were going to say something, Dan? I was just going to go yay as well, but I missed, <laughs> I the, missed the moment. <laughs> Didn't do a special yay for us. No, yay. Pr- no pressure. You talked over me there. <laughs> now there's pressure. <laughs> oh, I'm indifferent to the return of Nerdcore. <laughs> We are going to put Total Recall in the stocks. And we're all very excited about the new Avengers trailer, so we're going to be talking about that and what our theories are for when that film comes out next year. We've also got our Film Buff or Film Bluff quiz. So let's start the show. So first up is Nerd Court, and I'm going to hand the proceedings over to the Right Honourable Daniel Watkins. Uh, Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Nerd Court, where on trial today is the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Total Recall. It will be prosecuted, and it will be defended. And we shall determine whether the crimes of which it is accused are enough to send it to nerd jail, or indeed to what extent these people need air. Gentlemen, your opening (laughs) statements. My lord and ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I contend not that Total Recall is and always was a terrible film, but that on viewing it now, it has dated horribly, both in its effects and some of its ideas. When it first came out, I thought it was great fun. It's based on a Philip K. Dick short story, and his works have been the basis for many famous sci-fi movies such as Blade Runner, Minority Report, and others. The screenplay was written by the writers of Alien, and the director was Paul Verhoeven, best known for Robocop. Then, I was really excited to see it. But now, not so much. And the defence, your opening statement. The opening statement, I will keep very brief and simple. Total Recall is a classic. It always has been a classic. It always will be a classic. Sure, some of the effects are dated slightly. One or two of the ideas could do with being altered in a, a more woke world. But... Underneath, you've got a classic, strong sci-fi tale. You've got effects that, to my mind, are the pinnacle of some of the practical effects of the 80s by the genius that is Rob Bottin. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger being Arnold Schwarzenegger and a surprisingly strong supporting cast. I watched this film again two days ago and I enjoyed it as much as I did when I first saw it 20 years ago. Thank you. Uh, Please, prosecution, proceed with your first argument. Okay, we'll, we'll start with a quick recap of the story. Arnie plays Doug Quaid, a construction worker who sleeps constantly disturbed by dreams of Mars. So he goes to a company called Recall, who can implant memories that'll be just like going there for real. He selects a package where he plays a secret agent, but halfway through the process he reacts violently to it, saying they're trying to blow his cover. It appears the fancy is close to the truth, as they haven't yet implanted the secret agent part. He escapes and is pursued by Michael Ironside and his men, but another agent helps him get to Mars. Once there, he meets with the Resistance, who take him to their mutant leader. The bad guys reveal that Arnie was really Hauser, 
an agent working for them, and this was all an elaborate plot to infiltrate the Resistance, as the mutant telepaths would spot any cover which Arnie didn't believe himself. I mean, there are great things about it. The theme of not knowing what's real and what isn't is a really strong one. And the question of whether Quaid Arnie would be killing himself if he let Hauser take his body back is also an interesting sort of moral question. But the plot is also ridiculous and convoluted that at one point, the movie even points it out, where they bring in the doctor to explain it to Arnie and say, you must be crazy if you believe all this stuff. My main issue is with how badly the film is dated. 80s and 90s movies were a golden time for many of us nerds. There's a different range of ages here, but yet it always seems to be movies from that time that we talk about. But this feels very much like an 80s film, not even like a 90s film. Jurassic Park was released just three years later, but makes this one look like a dinosaur. One of Arnie's best films, Terminator 2, was released just one year later, but still holds up today in a way that Total Recall does not. The cars here look appalling, like someone stuck random slopes on an existing car body. The last resort bar is full of horrible 80s fashions. Star Wars wasn't full of 70s fashions, so why should the future in Total Recall look that way? It's just occasional things stick in your throat when you see them now. The casual violence to bystanders. They even throw someone's bullet-riddled body down the escalator to get away, and that feels just a bit wrong somehow when you look at it now. Sharon Stone kicks Arnie in the balls no less than three times. How many people went home and kicked their little brother as a result of watching Total Recall? (laughs) Objection. The fact that Peter was a cruel brother. (laughs) (laughs) I'll allow it. Where do I begin with the incorrect nonsense that has just spewed from mouth of a man who I can only assume has visited Recall himself and had the false memory of a far inferior film planted <laughs> in his head. <laughs> At the time, this was one of the most expensive films ever made. I think it has a $65 million budget. The effects are great. You've got Earth, you've got Mars, you've got some brilliant prosthetics, you've got a lady with three boobs. <laughs> That's like 50% extra boobage. More than a handful. <laughs> The story is convoluted in places, but all the best detective thriller stories are. You're as confused as the character at times, but at the end I think we all knew fairly much what the plot was, apart from the deliberate ambiguity of whether it's a dream or not. Objection. Uh, I think that's speculation. An objection from the jury. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Please stick to the facts, defence. The casual violence and nastiness is not necessarily dated. Do you, I'm, 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 do you have a problem with Robocop? Well, it makes sense in that world, because that's why Robocop was necessary. Detroit had turned into this. It, it makes sense in this world, where you've got the colonies on Mars, and you've got people trying to overthrow them, you've got a rebellion, you've got resistance. Yeah, of course but the, it's going the to examples be I gave occurred on Earth. When you shoot somebody with a gun, there's blood. It's an action film, it's a thriller. People are going to get hurt. Um, what other points did you make that I need to reply to? If the defence was not listening. <laughs> I was listening. There was just about ten different pieces of evidence in one. <laughs> so what was the other, other points? Uh, design. Things like the cars look appalling. The design, I, I think you, what you are doing there is you are looking at the film with hindsight. You know, that's not the film's fault. In my opening argument, I said the argument is how it looks now, not how it looked then. What is it not to say that in the next 20 years, fashions don't change, so what you think is a horrible car design Mm. is not a great car design. So do you think the fashions seen in the last resort bar, which are all 80s, do you think that's coming back back in again? Yeah, (laughs) things are circular. I mean, you know, you look at the clothes in the 70s, they're very similar to the clothes we're wearing now, 
How do we not know in 10 years' time we're going to be wearing 80s clothes? I, I should just add for those listening that everyone then looked down at their own clothes <laughs> and decided or not this was true. <laughs> you know, you don't know what the fashion on Mars is going to be in 20 or 30 years' time. Culture consumes itself. I think given the current state of funding, we'd assume there'll be no fashions on Mars <laughs> for the next 30 years. Any film that was made 30 years ago is going to have these small issues. Yeah, some of the set design, there's some miniature work that doesn't really hold up. Some of the violence seems a bit misogynist in this day and age, but not overly so. And I don't think you can not enjoy a film made in a different period because you have changed or the world has changed. Otherwise, you're going to disregard 95% of cinema history. Uh, the examples you use, Terminator 2, are some terrible CGI now. Okay, Jurassic Park, what Jurassic Park is a film that changed cinema. And that doesn't mean you should disregard anything that came before it just because it doesn't come up to its level. Mm-hmm. If you could tell me, honestly, you did not enjoy Total Recall, that you did not have a smile on your face during the ridiculous action sequences, that you did not laugh at some of the one-liners, that you did not punch the air when Arnie saved the planet. I loved it when I first saw it and still had many fond thoughts of it. And what disappointed me was how bad it looked Mm -hmm. going back to it after years had passed. It's not helped by the fact that for a long time there wasn't a good digital copy of it. Mm -hmm. There were some terrible Blu-ray releases, which didn't look much better than the DVD. Mm-hmm. And it's only in the last year or two, possibly after the version I saw, that decent Blu-ray versions have come out. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is the film is not strong enough to withstand the fact that the effects have now dated. Well, I'm saying the film is diminished by mm-hmm. the crappy bits. And I think my rebuttal to most of your arguments would be that Aliens was released in 1986, four years before this, and still looks far better. There's some shots at the beginning of Aliens on the uh, colony that have dated worse than anything in Total Recall. This is not an argument about Aliens. Please <laughs> stick, stick to the facts of the case. Do you have any further arguments? Can we go over to the independent witness who's just watched the film and have uh, her comments on these areas of the movie? We now call a surprise witness to the stand. Is it the only other person in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is! <laughs> Hazel Burton, please take to the stand. Uh, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, Thor? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Good, uh, bring in the shirtless Hemsworth to uh, bring in the Bible. Place your hand on the Hemsworth. <laughs> She's not miming. She's not playing along. Um, I'm not going to be able to think or do anything for the next five hours now that you've put that image in my head. Can I be excused from the stand? Yes. Thank you. I need, I need to retreat. Okay. To my bedroom. Come, come, <laughs> right. Let's skip ahead five hours. You've just come back. Um, prosecution, the witness is yours for examination. I didn't know we were doing this. Neither did I, but let's go with it. Okay. Yes, and. <laughs> so as someone seeing the film for the first time, did these aspects of datedness bother you? Or did you just watch the film as a movie and enjoy the plot and all the storyline stuff? Uh, yes. So title recall is a shameful gap for me. So I watched it for the first time last night. I agree with a lot of your points, Peter, in that I don't think effects-wise and design and set-wise it holds up to some of its contemporaries. But the biggest problem for me was the plot itself. Objection, the witness is clearly insane. (laughs) (laughs) Overruled, you'll have your cross-examination. I enjoyed the film very much, but your summary at the beginning filled in a lot of blanks for me. (laughs) I thought it had some brilliant plot points, but I think they tried to throw too much at it. I don't know whether it was because at the time these you know, amazing films were coming out, we thought we needed to trump those. 
But for me, it didn't stack up to the likes of Robocop. From plot point of view, the design did let it down. I thought that the acting let it down. I thought mm-hmm. Sharon Stone yeah. was appalling. I remember thinking, I, I thought Sharon Stone was a great actor. And then it transpired that she was trying to act the wife. I was like, okay, so let's forgive her for that. But then she didn't appear to get any better. It just felt like she didn't want to be in the movie. And I can potentially see why, because she was such a, a minor character and she deserved a better role than that. I think at the time, she wasn't overly famous. This was one of her first roles. Yeah, it's be before right. Basic Instinct. It was yeah. a couple of years afterwards, mm-hmm. which is what really made her name. Again, for Verhoeven. Uh, so, defence, your cross-examination. How much had you had to drink when you watched the perfectly sensible <laughs> plot of the film? I'd had four units. You had had four units? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you not think that there was enough interesting elements in the film to offset that and that it tried to at least grapple with philosophical ideas and ideas of science in a way that a dumb action blockbuster didn't need to do? Um, I didn't hate the film and I think it deserves admirable merits for what it tried to do. It just executed it quite poorly. The fact that it tried to cram in too many plot points overwhelmed me to a certain extent. And do you not feel that Arnold Schwarzenegger's one-liners were of the highest quality? I very much enjoyed Consider That a Divorce. Mm. I thought that was an excellent line. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to the Party Richter was great. I have heard that before and now I have it in context, so it's even better. And that's what Arnie's known for, so I'm pleased that they didn't shy away from it. He shone in the film, and I'm not the biggest Arnie fan, but he um, he absolutely shone in this film. I didn't feel it was his best film by a long shot. Mm. Sometimes if a movie gets too complicated or sophisticated, that's what lets him down. He's great in loads of action films, Terminator and things like that. He's fantastic Mm -hmm. in Predator. He's he's this sort of almost larger-than-life comic book character. It's in a movie like this or The Sixth Day, which again is an action movie. Do not compare this film to The Sixth Day. (laughs) (laughs) But in The Sixth Day, you think, if Bruce Willis played this part, it'd be an amazing film, but just it's beyond his range. It came out of my TV screen that he was having a very good time on set. I don't know if that's true, but it made me warm to him even more, knowing that he was having a good time. One further question. Mm -hmm. Could you in all conscience send a film to hell that has a taxi called Johnny Cab, voiced by Robert Picardo. I have had that Uber driver before. Have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he end up in the back of the cab as well? Like the, uh... Yeah, I was like, you're going too slow, I'm going to take control. Yeah. Can you send a film to hell that has Arnold Schwarzenegger? Okay. <laughs> I thought we were sending it to Nerd Hell. Nerd Jail. You're the only one who calls it Nerd Hell. Well, Nerd Jail probably, probably deserves that. <laughs> Please proceed with your final arguments. Yes, my other bone of contention is with the effects. Some are great, like the colour-changing fingernails. I I love a movie that shows how the future will be and plays with it. But the effects here were just rendered completely out of date by advances in CG effects within a year or two of the movie. The body scanner would show skeletons as people and pets walking through it is the only CG in the whole movie, and that still looks absolutely fine. But the worst bits are the practical human models, some of which look ridiculous now, like the model with the eyes bulging out for when the oxygen runs out. The bit where he sticks a speculum up his nose. And the problem is not just the bit where the actual effect is. It's that the rest of the face looks so unreal when these things are happening. When we see the head open up to show Arnie inside the woman's head, you can see the Arnie inside is such a terrible model of Arnie. It doesn't look convincing. You don't really believe it's him. And even some of the miniatures, like the model of the Mars train with Arnie inside his passenger, it uses what was quite an unusual technique then of using projectors inside the train that works well, but because they needed to make that model much bigger than everything else, 
there's a hideous jump cut as it jumps to the much smaller scale model of the rest of Mars. It's a bit like the cut in Star Wars before they go into the trench, where they go from a map painting to the model. Every time I see it, it just screams out at me that it's a jump cut and it's not really all there. John, how do you find the effects in the movie? I'm a big proponent of physical effects over CGI. Good ones. These are good ones, and I think you may be judging the film slightly unfairly in that you're watching it on your giant TV in Blu-ray. No, that's crucial to my argument, is how it looks now. Why don't you watch it on a cinema screen? In a Why don't I watch dingy... it on a tiny little thumbnail? Why don't I watch it on my phone? If I watch it on my phone, I won't see all the faults. You're watching it in a, in a way that it was never really meant to be seen. It's meant to be extent. seen on an enormous cinema screen. And you're meant to enjoy yourself <laughs> rather than look for faults. <laughs> It's some great effects work. Yes, sometimes you can tell it's effects work, but that shouldn't detract from the ingenuity with which these scenes were done. Yeah, there's the occasional shots when he's pulling his truck out of his nose. Yeah, it looks ridiculous and over the top, but that's part of the fun of the movie. It's not meant to be taken entirely seriously. And, it, you know, it tries to do interesting things. You know, the mutant designs are great. They're all interesting. Sometimes it chafes against the limits of what could be done with practical effects at the time. But enjoy the 95% of it that works rather than picking on the 5% that doesn't. I will grant you the shot where it cuts to the train from the distance on the Mars landscape is one of the worst pieces of model work I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks like a um, Hornby Railway miniature train. Anything further to add before we go to the jury? The bit where the head explodes at the end, that's fun. The bulgy eyes and so, yeah, it, I think if things like that were done completely realistically, it would ruin your enjoyment of the film because you'd be just like, oh shit, that's gross. Objections, it, it worked in Game of Thrones. Overruled, but not talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone heard Arnie's DVD commentary on the movie? Apparently it's phenomenally bad. He just sits there describing literally what's happening all the way. He got paid for it, didn't he? He was one of the first people to get paid for doing really? a DVD commentary. Normally you hope for sort of inside information on how the movie was made, how it was filmed, what was happening on that day, and all the sort of stuff you can't see on screen. But Arnie is just saying, and now I am running away up some stairs using the bad guys as human shields. <laughs> and literally describing everything that happens. <laughs> Could I make a closing summary, please? Please do. I think Total Recall should not just be looked at in itself here. I think what you should be looking at are the deeper implications of Peter's argument that any film whose effects are not up to modern blockbuster day standards, any film that is dated in any way, whether that be script-wise, effects-wise, should just be thrown on the trash heap of history rather than enjoyed. First they came for Total Recall and I did not speak <laughs> out because I was not a fan of Paul Verhoeven's early 90s work. Then they came for Batman 1989 because the set design looks dated on Blu-ray and I did not speak out because Batman Returns is a better film. Then they came for Star Wars and there was no one left to speak for George Lucas. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, prosecution, your closing statement. I don't believe this should be held against all movies. There are plenty of movies where the datedness of the effects lends it a certain amount of charm and maybe in a few more years that'll be the case of this as well. But at the moment, it's kind of an uncanny valley. It's just that wrong amount of crap looking <laughs> to, to work. Whereas if it was more crap, you'd probably get away with it in the way that a John Waters film or something like that almost revels in its trashiness. Uh, we now go to the jury, who was also the surprise witness for <laughs> deliberations. <laughs> Hang on, the, so, jury one, the jury is one person. 
So, um, uh, lady of the jury, mm-hmm. uh, do you feel that enough reasonable doubt has been given to save Total Recall from nerd jail? Um, my recommendation to you, Judge uh, Daniel Watkins, would be that the argument levied against Total Recall is not strong enough to send it to nerd jail. I was distracted by the poor effects. I was distracted more by the convoluted plot. But these movies that were created in the 80s have a very, very special place in my heart. There's just too much to celebrate about a film like Total Recall that tries to push the boundaries, includes stuff for the fans, and tries to give them a a great experience that the faults against it aren't enough to send it to nerd jail. So that would be my recommendation. Thank you very much. As it so happens, I agree with the jury. Yes! (laughs) While Total Recall is not without its flaws, and those flaws may become more glaring over time, there is enough merit to save it from nerd jail. However, the counsel for the defence will be sent to Mars for several years of hard work as part of my continuing crusade against him for sending Lost to nerd jail nearly one year ago. Do, Those are my final rulings. Do no I at least further get a space questions. Helmet. No. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to have a chat about the new Avengers trailer, and we're lucky to be joined through the power of editing by Mr. Ian McLaughlin. Good Woo. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Avengers, and we now know what it's called. Endgame, End which is a line from the previous Avengers Infinity War. They lied to yeah, us. Yeah, they did. Who lied to us? The, the Russo brothers said it's not anything that was said in the previous ones. It's what Doctor Strange said to Tony Stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in the Endgame yeah. yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they lied a lot in the previous Infinity War trailer. So what makes us think that they're telling the truth with this one? Oh, you mean having the Hulk? Yeah, exactly. Things like that. Shot. And mm. trickery and like people talking to each other when they're in different planets, that kind of thing. Limiting how much we can work out from the trailer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, uh, Rendering this segment entirely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, regardless of that, um, how are we feeling about it? What's uh, what are your initial reactions? <laughs> <laughs> Apathy, apparently. Apathy. <laughs> yeah. I'll go. I'll go and watch it. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> But I watched it a few times and then... Um, Surely you were bouncing out of your seat when a certain I, character reappeared. There was one moment where I was overly happy. You punched the air with enjoyment at seeing your favourite character yet yes. again. Well, not not quite. Isn't it? I don't think we've seen Hawkeye. I think we've seen Ronin, aren't we? Is that different? Ronin is his new persona, which from the comics where he becomes a ninja that wanders the earth, having lost his family, which makes me a bit sad because Sexy Velma's probably... Oh. How does he become that from being a Hawkeye? I would guess in the context of the film, his entire family gets turned to ash. Yeah. Mm. So then he goes away for a few years to train as a ninja. Yeah, because when you're fighting a massive alien and spaceships and everything, the only thing less useful than an arrow is probably a, a sword. Mm. Or a nunchuck. Actually, how much time do we think's passed between someone the told last me, movie and Someone this said one? five years. I'm not quite sure what the evidence for that is. <sighs> Surely not. So I, I think there's a time jump. Time travel is definitely involved yeah. in some mm. connotation or not, but yeah. Because we've been hearing rumours about them shooting in the original costumes mm. and yeah. the original locations from the previous movies and things. I've not seen Infinity War for a while, but I'm guessing the bit on the spaceship at the beginning feels like it's falling on pretty much straight on from the end of the first one. Because mm-hmm. wasn't he left alone on a planet with Spider-Man? The planet Titan, yeah. I don't want to go, Mr. Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, he was left there with Nebula, who's still alive. Yeah. I think we saw her briefly in the shot, didn't we? In the shadows. Mm, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if he's trying to get back to Earth from there. And if so, where's Nebula gone? Mm-hmm. She's off riding a rhino somewhere. <laughs> 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 um, four days without water. Do you think you'd look quite so handsome? <laughs> With food, you can last a long time, can't you? But yeah. four days without water. Is it the rule of three? To, is it Bear Grylls? Where you can go three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, and three weeks without food? So four days. What about I mean, sex? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, three decades. <laughs> I guess if you're like Robert Downey Jr. and you're a bit superhuman, he could probably last an extra day. Be a yeah. bit thirsty. Were you expecting him to sort of desiccate before your eyes? I want him to look a bit husky. <laughs> okay. I mean, if... that's how you like your men, is it, John? <laughs> yeah. Like husky. His food ran out four days ago. Yeah, I regularly starve my men for four days. His water ran out four days ago, so he's clearly <laughs> been in there considerably longer than four days. Mm. So what we can discover from that is Robert Downey Jr. has a weird face where only his goatee grows and not the rest of it. I mean, if I was in his situation, I'd probably ration my food better rather than just let it run out. But he could have eaten it out a bit longer, couldn't he? I would have no self-control. I do not. It's like, all the first day. Yeah. There's six months worth of food and it'd be gone in a week. So the scene we're talking about is uh, Tony Stark talking into his helmet, which <laughs> sounds... It's been three days, there's it's no water. Three days. No, what are you going to do? <laughs> going to amuse yourself somehow. Yeah. Here comes little Iron Man. <laughs> what's, what's filthy about that sentence? He's talking into his helmet. <laughs> he's having a chat with Hawkeye. <laughs> Yeah, he's chatting to Pepper Potts. He's, who we don't know is alive or dead. We don't know if she made the cut in the 50% wipeout. And he's leaving her a message. Basically saying, I'll be thinking of you as I die. He, he sounds like he's kind of given up a bit. Who do you think might rescue him? Will it be Captain Marvel on her way from Earth? Because she's she, in she space can, as well, isn't she? She can fly through space, as can Thor. But Thor looks um, in some kind of prison type thing, which I didn't put him in. I'm just going to put it out there now. <laughs> <laughs> Is Thor in the trailer? Yeah, yeah. Is he? yeah he's the, just sort of sitting there in all a too jacket briefly. looking uh, sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Looking like spectacular, but yeah, sad. spectacularly <laughs> sad. <laughs> so, we, yeah, so we had that. We saw the people who were missing. So, is it Shuri? Shuri? I don't think we saw her die in Infinity War. No, but they also had Scott Lang on the missing. So, mm. right. presumably, he's trapped in the quantum realm and figures his way out somehow. Yes. And presumably that's why Cap asks whether or not it's a recording yeah. when he's yeah. at the door. Captain without a beard. It's gone. Makes me sad. <laughs> do you like a beard, do you? I like a beard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian likes a beard as well. She's called Bev. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a heterosexual love interest. She needed a passport. It was, <laughs> it was a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, it was. Mm. Um, but the first shot we see of him, it's got tears rolling down his eyes. Mm. Someone has made him sad. Maybe know. he got his beard shaved off by Stan Lee in the style of <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, you know, the uh, slightness. Yeah. And that's why he was a bit sad. He lost half his face as well. <laughs> it looks a bit well, plasticky. It's just all stuck back on. Uh, at some point, we, we see Thanos arriving on Earth, and he's um, he goes past the sort of scarecrow costume, and I know this is the thing from, like, Thanos lore. Is Do we that see that's him on Earth, though? Is that not from? his farm that he retired to at the end of the first film? Yeah, he's on a farm. 
Yeah, he's not necessarily on Earth. Because he's very uh, um, uh, dedicated to... And the colours aren't very Earth-like either in the fields. It's quite magical. Yeah. So he's yeah he's retired. He's got what he wanted. What's yeah. he going to do now? I'm going to walk through fields. Realised the fields of gold with trees of hay. He realised that the economics of his farm, <laughs> 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 well, of his farm are fucked because like there's half the corn needed that was previously. Yeah. And there is uh, there's been some great um, conversations on Twitter about the implications of wiping out literally half of all living things mm. because um, I don't obviously take credit for this, but I think it might be Ian Mayer who pointed this out. Um, who said that he didn't really think this one through because um, when you do wipe out all of uh, or half of living creatures, it's the, it's the smaller ones who can um, procreate faster mm-hmm. who are going to kind of take over. So it's basically going to be left with a universe of rats. Mm. Apparently if you killed half the rats in the world, you would get back to the normal rat population within about a year. Yeah. Whereas when half the humans, it would take... But like, like elephants mm. take what? How, yeah. how so there could have been a Thanos of rats loads of times and we just wouldn't know about it. No. Did he just arbitrarily kill half the people? He's killed a lot more. Because if he's killed half the people, he's killed half the airline pilots. Mm. Mm-hmm. So presumably half the planes went down, killing how many hundreds of thousands of more oh, people. Oh, so the collateral damage is more yeah. than half. Half the drivers on the motorway so they disappear. The planes have co-pilots, so less it was like the two yeah. were chosen at the same time. So 25% still. They say it's yeah. 25% of all planes go down. Yeah. How did he decide? It's not like he went through the entire planet and went, you, you, you. Mm. So how was that decision well, made? He just snapped his fingers, didn't he? So presumably they... Magic, Peter. It's mm. magic. Yeah. But is it a coincidence that only the original Avengers were left and all the newer ones It's a handy coincidence to uh, give them one last film before they kill them all off, isn't it? So, yes, it's a plot device. It's a plot device, yeah. And Joe Public, no idea. Well, I think when we got the first film, we got all the Avengers. Mm. And it seems, I think we're going to get, I know we saw um, Ant-Man at the end, but I think we're going to get something that concentrates a lot, lot more on the key Hawkeye, Hulk, Thor, Cap and Black Widow. Yes, I'm looking forward to Black Widow having more than two lines. So we we have that. We've got some plan involving Peggy. Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter, yeah. yeah. Peggy Mitchell. <laughs> so, Get out of my universe. <laughs> so how do you reckon the time travel stuff is going to work? There's an, a theory that they go back to the Battle of New York in the first Avengers and they try to stop Loki from taking, which one is it? The Tesseract? Yeah. So that he can't give it to him in Infinity War. But they obviously go to a bunch of different places. They keep going to these places and failing. So is that how they visit a few different places? I, I've heard a rumour. Oh, it's, what she calls me, that's not a rumour. What she calls me, that's bullshit. That's made up on the internet. <laughs> News. News, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've, I've heard a theory that this whole time travel thing is a ruse to put us off and there's not actually time travel. The suggestion was, and this was based on something, I think the Russo brothers said, oh, you've already seen something that we put in a previous film that's very important in a later film, but uh, no one's picked up on it yet. And if you remember the start of, is it Civil War, where you see young Robert Downey Jr.? Mm-hmm. with his parents and it's that mm-hmm. thing that he has that device mm-hmm. and ah, there's okay. a rumor that what could see is not time travel but people looking back over these previous events with a view to finding clues or something so i think there's possibly another explanation for seeing them in the old costumes and everything mm. like you see rocky ford it's like 80 percent of footage from previous rockies <laughs> so it's, it's just essentially a clip episode <laughs> and it's just it's just like captain america sat there Next to Thor, going, oh, do you remember that time when we fought Loki in New York? And it's like, <laughs> 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 I 
How many freshly shaven Captain Americas out of 10 do we give the trailer? I'm going to go for six freshly shaved Ooh, Captain Americas out of 10. Mm. Why so low? Because there's um, Not about a nanosecond of Thor. <laughs> yeah. Ian? Uh, um, I would have given it five, just because it doesn't really show anything. It's very, mm. It looks very pretty. Um, but I'm going to drop it to four, because four days without water, he definitely wouldn't look that good. He'd be dead, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it seven because I would have liked just a little more of an inkling about what to expect. But I'd like something that we didn't know. I'm going to give it eight because I really want to see the film. And that's what the job of the trailer is to do, is to make you want to see the film. Pete with his reasoning. Damn you. Now it's time for Film Buff or Film Bluff. So what happens in this quiz is that we have all come prepared with three pieces of film trivia. But one of them is completely bullshit. So we've got to try and guess which one we have made up. Dan, would you like to go first? I recently went to see the new Fantastic Beasts film, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So my film buff or film bluff is about Fantastic Beasts. Two of these are actual Fantastic Beasts that J.K. Rowling has made up. And one is a Fantastic Beast that I have made up. (laughs) So... You are a fantastic beast, Dan. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's what I was waiting for. Number one, a mugwump. A large lizard-like creature that resides under houses, only emerging when it senses absolutely no danger. That predates rolling. Number two, a golden snidget. An extremely fast-flying bird used in early forms of the game Quidditch. And number three, a streeler a giant venomous African snail that changes colour on an hourly basis. Now, are these Fantastic Beasts from the comic relief book that J.K. Rowling wrote? Yes, but they may have been added for the expanded version of that book that came out after the Fantastic Beasts film. Mm. Now, a mugwump is a term that I know from William Brothers. Mm -hmm. In Naked Lunch, he has characters called mugwumps who are the politicians who are actually aliens. Mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling does base a lot of her characters or creatures on real life things. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, it was a name for a pretend monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's whether she's taken the inspiration mm-hmm. from that. But I would have thought a mugwump is such a well-known term. I would be surprised if she did. Not, not to her target audience, probably. Okay, Golden Snidget. Golden Snidget. Can you finger the Snidget? If you were quick enough, yes. <laughs> so not to be confused with a Golden Snitch a key component of Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. So would she have a golden snidget and a golden snitch? The idea is that the snidget was used in early forms of the game Quidditch. before the Mm. snitch. Correct. What was the last one again? A streeler, a giant venomous African snail that changes colour on an hourly basis. Isn't a giant snail, isn't that not Dr. Doolittle? And they sail it back to England? Mm. The Vex Harrison film, I don't know. Yeah. There are real giant snails. I mean, they're not that big. Mm. The abalone is a snail that has seven arseholes. <laughs> That's an interesting fact for you. Trying um, to come up with a punchline for that. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with Snow White. <laughs> I'm going to believe the golden snitch. It was replaced. Mm. But which one is fake? I'm going to go for the snail. I have read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the original textbook which J.K. Rowling created and annotated with um, like Ron and Harry's scrawl. And I can't remember that one, but then you again, remember the other two. No, no, the other two are ringing a bell. But I did read that book about fifteen years ago, 
And as we all know, my memory isn't great. But uh, I'm going to go with instinct and say the snail. Yeah, I'm going to choose the snidget. I'm going to choose the mugwump because it's a term. So one of those has to be right. And it's John who's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Streela and the Golden Snidget are real fantastic beasts. I made up the Mugwump. However, Mugwump is a term that J.K. Rowling has used. The chief of the International Confederation of Wizards is known as the Supreme Mugwump. Yeah, so that will That's tie in with the, that will tie yeah. with its political yeah, of whom origins. Dumbledore was one. Yeah, I have three facts, two of which are true and one of which is not. At the age of sixteen, author Neil Gaiman used to play in a punk band. One of his bandmates later commissioned Spaced for Channel 4. Jeremy Bullock, best known to Star Wars fans as the person who plays Boba Fett, has his own costume just different enough as to not get sued by Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. in which he appeared in Pantos in the 80s, although he's always insisted he plays some scene without the helmet so people could tell that it was him. And the third one, IMDb is now owned by Amazon, but at one point it was called the Cardiff Internet Movie Database when it was hosted on Cardiff University servers. Now, I'm sure I've heard of Neil Gaiman being in a punk band because was there not a film out earlier this year about that time in his life? Neil Gaiman was definitely in a punk band. No. I saw the thing you were talking about, though he was, I don't think he was in a band in it, but he, he was in mm. that world, certainly. Yeah. I wonder if it was another technology company that was founded in Cardiff and not IMDb. IMDb was a small British company for a long time. It was run by a kid from his bedroom, more or less. It was started... Mm-hmm. And then Amazon bought it. I'm not sure it had anything to do with Cardiff University. There was a lot of time passed between the two things. It actually started as a database of actresses with beautiful eyes or something. <laughs> and then they tried to get more and more information. I could believe that about Jeremy Bullock as well. He's, mm. Yeah, you, you talked in the present tense then and Jeremy Bullock died. No, he didn't. He's still around in, at conventions and he things. Is, yes, he's I just retired. He, yeah. he just retired from doing conventions in March this year. I'm sure no. the, guy, the guy who played Boba Fett... Yeah, you don't need to do that no, now, John. He's, he's, he's still with us. Don't worry. John, John is currently googling because uh, he doesn't he's believe not us. Dead. Who's died? Kenny Baker. That means there's somebody I think is alive is dead. Can you please that start speculating happen. about yeah. characters? <laughs> you know what happens when you wonder if people are alive or dead? They die. Yes. They die 24 hours later. <laughs> it's been proven. <laughs> so I am going to go with the Jeremy Bullock one as the bluff because while I believe it could be true. That doesn't necessarily mean it is. I'm going to go with this being Peter trying to be clever. You say that every week. Um, I think that the bit about him having his own costume that's legally different enough is true. I don't believe he insists on having his helmet off so people know it's him because nobody would give a shit. Put it this way, either the whole thing is true or the whole thing is not true. Take take your pick. There's no half-truths in there. I'll still go with Bullock. And they're all really good. I want them all to be true. I'm going with IMDb being the untruth. I'm going to have to go with Jeremy Bullock because I know enough about the other two for them to sound right with what I remember. Okay. The Neil Gaiman fact is true. He used to play in a band called XXX. And IMDb was at one point called the Cardiff Internet <laughs> Movie Database. <laughs> Jeremy Bullock. I made that up. <laughs> So with all these things, I normally start with a fact and then decide which one to change. And the fact I had for Jeremy Bullock was that he was the star of a terrible 70s soft porn movie called Can You Keep It Up For A Week? He used to show no. up... <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were... <laughs> uh, he used to show up a lot in 70s sitcoms. He had mm-hmm. bit parts in The Spy of Me and For Your Eyes Only. He turned up in the Blackfire Centre, which is a place near us in Newcastle. 
and they were doing a screening of The Force Awakens with him as a special guest, which struck me as odd because he's not in the film. Great New Zealand accent, though. (laughs) Star Wars prequels reference. Yes, we know. I have Freddy Krueger kills. Okay, (laughs) Okay, so um, A Nightmare on Elm Street is a very good, quite scary, quite surprisingly low-key film about a child molester who murders the children of Springfield in horrible and unpleasant ways. The Nightmare on Elm Street sequels are about a clown jester anti-hero called Freddy Krueger who kills people you don't care about in increasingly ridiculous ways. By the time you got to 3, 4, 5 onwards, it became about the insane kills rather than anything otherwise. That's all true. (laughs) Now, Freddy Krueger, being the master of dreams, can alter reality and make anything appear and can kill you whichever way he sees fit. Here are three of the more unique ways Freddy Krueger killed his victims. One of them is bullshit. Carlos. Carlos was a deaf character who Freddy Krueger gave a hearing aid to that implanted itself in the side of his ear like a bug. Freddy then tortured him with dripping water, clanging pipes and so on, until eventually he rode his fingernails up and down a chalkboard until his head exploded. Number two, Casey. Casey was a sex-obsessed teenager. (laughs) True. (laughs) For context, we have a friend called Casey who is a sex-obsessed 31-year-old. I don't know Who could never actually get with a woman. It was a running joke throughout the film, and it was suggested that he had a a sex doll. He was killed by Freddy Krueger, turning him into a living sex doll and then starts to have sex with him before accidentally puncturing him with his razor blade gloves, causing him to fly around the room as he deflated and was left as a lifeless corpse on the floor. Tan's face is a picture. Mm. That sounds like mm. John to me. Number three, Debbie. Debbie was into exercise but didn't like bugs. Debbie was doing some workouts on a bench in a gym when Freddy Krueger grabbed hold of her forced the weights down on her, making her arm snap off. Cockroach legs then grew out of these holes. Freddy Krueger turned it into a giant cockroach, which he then squashed inside a tiny little house he'd made, called the Roach Motel. <laughs> I believed it up until that point. They are all ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I am going to have to go with my instinct and say the second one is the bluff because you called the character Casey. Might be an elaborate double bluff. <laughs> yeah, you don't do elaborate double bluffs, though. So I'm going, I did, I'm going I did with laugh Casey. out loud at the character's name when I found out he was called Casey. Mm. Mm. That or made not. me want to include it all the more. So after you named him Casey, you laughed out loud, did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally get that one. <laughs> so you're all, you're all good for Casey. Yeah. Yeah. That that is the bluff. Yeah. <laughs> Actually it was the They're cartoon flying. image of the thing flying around the room, which is where I knew yeah. that's John. Other deaths include him force feeding a girl with her own guts until she pops, turning up on a TV show next to Zaza Gabor, killing Zaza Gabor and then getting the person who's watching the TV and smashing her head into the TV. Becoming an eight bit video game. Dragging somebody into the game and then killing him as a crudely drawn character. Bringing somebody who was obsessed with drawing cartoon characters into a comic book and killing him in the style of the Ha Ha Take On Me video. <laughs> so I had plenty to go for there. Wow. 
my film buff or film bluff is inspired by a train journey I had last week coming back from that there London where I was sat opposite Chris Pine's doppelganger. Cue much hilarity with the nerds who were trying to persuade me to take a photo of him when, you know, our knees were practically touching. But it kind of made me think that out of all the famous Chris's, this one hasn't been given much love and attention. So I decided to rectify that by, by researching love and attention. And researching Chris <laughs> Pine facts. So I have three Chris Pine facts for you. One of them I have made up. Would you describe this as a Chris Pine tree? <laughs> that works very well. Okay. Would you like to be the bauble on the top of a Chris Pine tree? <laughs> okay, number one. He sang on Barbara Streisand's 2016 album called Duets. Mm. What did he sing? He sang a song called I Will Be There For You, something like that. Something Bit like genetic that. sounding. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> One of his lesser known movie roles was in Not Another Teen Movie. He played the football jock who manages to fall in love while seeking to spite his former girlfriend isn't by that, dating someone unconventional. Isn't that Chris Evans? I was thinking that. I think Chris Evans plays that role. Mm. And thirdly, since the summer of 2009, a small group of fans took to chrispine.org and named themselves the Pine Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they actually carry out charitable activities on his behalf. That sounds plausible, but could also be a veiled reference to that group of Josh fans who set up a website on the West Wing. Lemon Linen. That's the one. Mm. However, I do think it was Chris Evans and not another teen movie. Yeah. I'm pleased to say, and this is not a shameful gap, I have never seen Not Another Teen Mover. Have you seen the music video for Marilyn Manson's version of Tainted Love? Yes. That has the cast of Not Another Teen Movie in it because it was on the soundtrack. Wow, that's so, cool. And I'm fairly sure, I can't remember much about the film, but I remember that music video. Yeah, and I think Chris that was Chris, Chris Evans. Pines in that music video though. Is he? Mm. Yeah, with like the black trousers and the pale face and the black hair and the funny contact lens. Uh, so assuming she means the Freddie Prinze Jr. lookalike character in Not Another Teen Movie, then that is definitely Chris Evans, not Chris Pine. Because mm. he was the jock, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say that's bullshit. Yeah. I have no idea. I really want Barbara Streisand to be true. Um, these two seem like they know what they're talking about with Not Another Teen Movie, so I'm going to, if that's wrong, it's their fault, and you're looking like <laughs> it might be. Do I, I have that look. Yes, you have the look like you've bluffed us successfully. <laughs> I need to take a selfie and figure out how to recreate that look because, no, you're completely correct. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> I, I didn't think that you'd have seen that film. <laughs> That's Wrong. why I thought I'd put it in. <laughs> um, I remember in detail, apparently. <laughs> Let alone two of us. Yeah. As it did, it's better than Total Recall. <laughs> Continue to slide down in my expectations, <laughs> uh, estimations even. Yeah, the, uh, he has uh, sung with Barb Streisand. I can play it for you, uh, if you like. Mm. Uh, could you sing it for us? Could you, actually, could you and Dan duet it for yeah. us? Yeah, sure. I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Pine Nuts are a real thing, much like the Hiddlestoners and the Cumber Bitches. <laughs> and they do do charitable activities on his behalf, currently raising money for the American Red Cross to help the Californian wildfires but they've raised money for the Boston Marathon bombers' victims and stuff like that. Basically, they kind of gathered as fans and did the usual kind of fan thing, which is like a costume at theatres and you know, hand them letters and stuff from and fellow pioneers. they do something more productive with their lives. Yes. <laughs> I'm pleased these insane people are doing good. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
That is it for another Nerdfest episode. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Remember to check us out on social media at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. Interact with us, pokers and stuff like that, and give us some ideas on what topics you want us to debate over for a future episode. But in the meantime, you have been listening to... A fan of Not Another Teen Movie. (laughs) (laughs) Another fan of Not Another Teen Movie. (laughs) And a Martian Mutant's middle breast. (laughs) I can't top that. I'm Hazel Burton. We'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sweetheart. We're married. Consider that a divorce. (laughs) See you at the party, Richter! Total Recall was filmed live in front of the studio audience.